Welcome to my podcast, New Dog, Now What? A podcast made especially for new dog owners. I'm Valerie Jane, and like thousands of others, I have recently welcomed a new dog into my world. I grew up with dogs. I love dogs. But this is the first time owning a dog myself, and there is so much to learn. Every episode, I get to welcome extraordinary, insightful experts to share information as we learn how to give our dogs the best possible lives. On today's episode, we welcome Alex Kelly. Alex is the founder of Salt and Company and a leader in road safety with over a decade of experience designing strategies for the public, private, and nonprofit sectors. We will discuss some very important topics as it relates to road safety, including how to minimize distractions, containing your dog safely, preparing for a road trip, keeping your dog safe in the warm summer months, and some other important tips to keep everyone safe on the road. Hi, Alex. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Oh, thank you. Uh, Excited to talk about vehicle safety today. I think we can all say that this is probably the year, uh, like something we've never seen, definitely the year of road trips and driving. So talking about safety and how we keep our pets safe safe is super important to me. Mm -hmm. You hit the nail on the head. Everybody is turning to their cars this year is the one way to get out of the house. And with that, everybody wants to bring their their furry friends along for the ride. So really, really timely topic. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is a little bit different than the 70s when parents threw in their dog, their their dogs and their children into their station wagon and hit the road. I think there's a safety has evolved and we're more aware of how how we need to keep people safe and keep our pets safe. Things have evolved with vehicle safety, with technology, with standards on the road, regulations, and also dogs are a much bigger part of our lives and even like kids for some people now. And when you've got a dog in your car, first thing to think about is preventing distractions. If you have a driver, you need to be the one who's fully focused on the task at hand, and that is driving safely and getting from point A to point B, all in one piece. And with that is containing your dog. So making sure that they're not causing a distraction, but also making sure that if something does happen, if you do unfortunately get into a collision, that your dog is contained. And I can talk about about a couple of reasons for that. One, obviously limiting distraction. Um, Two, you want to restrain them to keep them safe in the event of a crash. And then also containing them in case you do get into a collision, um, it ensures that they can't escape or run away or cause a secondary collision. And also, if you require any rescue services to come and extricate you from the vehicle, something that no one ever wants to think about, it's really important to have your dog restrained so that they're not limiting um, care being provided to you if you need it in that in that instance. So backing up a little bit, just talking about preventing distractions, this is one of the most important things. So in a lot of jurisdictions, it's actually illegal to have your dog ride on your lap if you're driving the car. And so first of all, we don't want to get in trouble with the law. But also by restraining your dog and preventing distractions, this means that they're safe and sound, preferably in the back seat. And there's a lot of different ways that you can actually safely restrain them. Um, There's great products on the market now, whether it's a harness or a crate or even a gate that you put up between the back seat and the front seat. So there's lots of options out there, all with variable um, 
protective factor, your layers and different levels of testing in terms of safety and collision. We can talk about that a little bit more uh, if you want. Yeah, I'd absolutely love to jump into what are those ways to contain? So you mentioned a crate, which is a great way, um, mm-hmm. obviously, to keep them contained in the back. And especially if you're going on a long road trip, I think that's an ideal way uh, to keep a pet. But what about things when we're doing short trips around the city and and um, maybe not as long as a road trip? What are some other ways that we can contain our dogs? So you mentioned kind of a barrier, having a barrier from the front seat to the back mm-hmm. seat. Yeah, so there's lots of different products. And I would say the first thing is to not use your dog's everyday leash or collar setup. So it may be really easy to think that you could loop that through the seatbelt and they're contained or just tie the leash onto something. And with one of those restraint options, you actually run the risk of choking the dog if you had to stop suddenly. And even if you're just driving in the city um, and going at relatively low rates of speed, that can still be enough to damage a dog's windpipe or choke them. So definitely getting something that's made for your car or made to contain the animal properly and not just a leash is important. So a kennel or crate is obviously a great one. So that's something that's going to be a hard-sided material uh, that wouldn't compress if uh, you pushed against it. So that's different than maybe a uh, soft-sided crate. And these are really good because they give the dog uh, their own space to have in the vehicle, and it keeps them contained, especially if you did get into a collision or something something happened. It also keeps your dog from jumping up into the front with you um, and any sort of mess or anything that they may make on the road trip will keep it all contained. There's also seat belts and safety harnesses, which are helpful to keep your dog happy if maybe you're putting them in the back seat. Um, you loop it through the seat belts so that they're contained. Um, but the thing to note about those is that sometimes a dog may be a little bit of a Houdini and actually slither out of them on their own. I I know my dog, we have a a harness for her, and she oftentimes will make her way out of it. So it's really important to maybe go for an initial road trip and see how your dog uh, deals with that that harness, get them used to wearing it before you need to use it for maybe a longer trip. And then there's also um, barriers. So sometimes you'll see this as sort of a gate across the the back trunk space of an SUV um, or sort of a hammock, which you, uh, it's sort of like a big fabric that you can loop around the the headrests of the seat and it creates a little hammock in the back seat for your car, for your dog. And these are really great because again, they'll keep the dog from jumping up front um, and give them their own space. They are a little bit more free moving than something like a kennel or a crate, but depending on your dog, that may be a good option. The thing to remember with all of these is that there's variable safety standards wherever you live and where you're buying these sorts of um, restraining devices. And so it's always important to check and see if there is a third-party certification about the safety of the dog in these devices. So cars are made for humans. They're not made for dogs. And when you're traveling at really high speeds and have to stop really quickly, your dog turns from you know a cute, fluffy, 20-pound animal into a projectile that can hit things with a force of anywhere from 500 to 2,600 pounds. And so this is massive, and you need to consider that when you're looking at these different restraints 
to A, evaluate if it's going to keep you safe um, and keep the dog from flying around if you were in a collision or you did sustain an impact. And then also making sure that if you're really putting a lot of trust and safety into some of these devices, that they've got that certification that they are safe. But that really is a fledging industry or a fledging part of the, the industry right now. And uh, again, that reminder that the cars are really made for humans. And sometimes it's best to leave your dog at home um, if you're concerned about their safety, if you did get into a collision. Yeah. And I think it's what it's really knowing your dog. It's what you're talking about is like, there's all these options, but if you've got a dog that's going to continuously get out of his harness, then that's probably not the right fit for you. So making sure you know your dog and, and go online or, and just understand how those work. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's a really great point because you need to know your dog, but also know that your dog may be very different in a vehicle. So they may get really nervous or anxious or sick. Um, which is something that I've gone through with previous dogs of mine. And that may be a distraction. So your, your cute, loving, adorable dog may you know, really start to get snappy or whiny or, or shaking. And if that's going to be something that the dog is going to experience, first of all, think about their comfort level. But also as a driver, are you going to be distracted the entire time that you're behind the wheel because your dog's in the back seat making a mess or... Um, you know, shaking or any sort of thing, all of that can be a very different dog in a car versus at home. So great to have that trial period where you can really assess and see what kind of dog they're going to be when you're on the road. Yeah, absolutely. And I know when you talk about distraction, a statistic that got me, I heard this a few years ago, and it really, it really stayed with me. And it it was about texting. And it said the moment that you go and you look at your phone, and you acknowledge a text that quick second, you think it's just a quick second, is like driving an entire length of a football field completely blind with net with never looking up. So I can't help but think the exact same thing is true. If you're looking back to see what your dog is doing, that exact same moment happens and um, we need to minimize that for sure. Exactly. And I've been in that case before. Um, you know, as I've shared offline, I have a cute little cocker spaniel named Bridget and she's adorable, but when I'm in the car with her, she has a tendency to get sick. And no matter if you're on, you know, a neighborhood residential street or you're on a highway, when you start to hear an animal sick in the back of your car, you can't help but be distracted or kind of try to peek over your shoulder. And it's really difficult to to separate the two. And you need to remind yourself that, you know, if your dog is sick or something's happening in the backseat, there's nothing you can do until you get to your final destination or you pull over into a safe space and take care of it. So just focus on keeping everybody safe in the vehicle and, and dealing with the issue when you get to your destination, which is also why I keep paper towels and like a little cleaner in the back so that I know that I can take care of it, even if I'm going to have a little bit of a woozy dog after. Yeah, no, those are, I mean, those are great points. Like you said, it's a, it's a new environment for dogs um, going into cars. So sometimes, you know, you're stopped at a stop sign. Maybe there's people approaching, asking for money. Um, There's different sounds right now. We've got, you know, it's summer. So motorbikes are gearing up. There's transport trucks. There's a number of things. So that anxiousness for a lot of dogs is real and that car sick. Yeah, and you touched on something this summer. Um, you know, certainly this is a time of year where everybody's kind of out and about and, and doing a lot in their cars. Um, and, you know, even if you're stopping and or you keep the windows down, 
these are all things that can create uh, a bit of a, a risky environment for a dog. So if you've got those windows down, it's really tempting to let your dogs kind of hang out the window. Maybe they love it, but that really puts them at risk of hitting something or choking themselves. If they step on the window button and the window starts to go up, they can choke themselves. If it goes down, they can jump out of the car. Um, so there's things that you can do around that with making sure your child's safety locks are on. If you've got a pickup truck or something like that, it's to never let your dog ride in the, the truck because, again, you're subjecting them to the potential debris or wind or tree branches. So all of these things can be really dangerous, even though it feels like this carefree summer thing to do. Um, it's really important to think through all the potential scenarios and make sure your dog's protected for all of them. Yeah, and we talk about, you know, dogs not sitting on your lap, which seems pretty logical, um, but we do see it a lot on the road. Um, what about the factor of airbags? Because most vehicles now are equipped with airbags, and I know a lot of people tend to have their dogs in the front seat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the thing about airbags is they come out of your vehicle at such a high velocity that even for humans, you're meant to sit about 30 centimeters or a foot away from your actual airbag. So think about when you're driving and how close you are to the steering wheel. You really need to make sure you have that space to allow the airbag to inflate appropriately. And also there's enough space there so that you don't break a rib or crush internal organs. And the same thing follows suit for a dog. So you need to make sure that they are restrained and that if you did get in a collision and um, you know, you've got front impact airbags and you've also got ones on the side, that they have enough room so that they wouldn't be necessarily impacted at too close of a distance to the airbag. That being said, a dog, for the most part, a small to medium, but even some of the larger sized dogs, you know, their skeletal structure is not like a human's. And again, that's where cars were designed for humans. And so if they did get struck by an airbag, it may not be the best uh, outcome in terms of the dog's ability to survive that type of impact. And so that's where putting them in the back seat is really good because then you're protecting them from something like an airbag. Um, additionally, if you're thinking about that kind of impact and trying to prevent that, that's where having something like a harness is really good to keep them from hitting the, the back of the front seats. So these are all things that you need to think about when you're putting your dog somewhere within the car is what could they hit if they did get into a collision, whether it be an airbag or the seat. Um, and you know, is there a restraint device that could prevent that? So, for example, some of the smaller dogs and medium-sized dogs, there are um, approved vests and harnesses for them in vehicles to be used that could protect them. Some of the larger dogs, it's really difficult to ensure that they wouldn't hit airbags or the seats in front of them um, with those types of devices on. So, again, these are all things that you need to weigh before you load up for that road trip. Yeah, and I think you're leading right into my next question. So like I, like we were saying at the beginning, this is definitely the year of the road trip. Um, you know, a lot of countries are closed and a lot of areas are closed, regions are closed. So a lot of people are looking, how do we go and enjoy our local areas? And that the solution is road trips. And it's great. And it's fun to see. But I don't think, um, you know, we just hop into our car and all of a sudden drive 10 hours with our, our dogs. And so what are some of the things that we can do to prepare our dogs for a road trip? Great question. So 
you know, the first thing is, is plan out your road trip and think about it before you ever leave the house. So just like you're going to plan where you're going to get gas or if you're going to stop for lunch or the inevitable bathroom break, you also want to plan that for your dog too. So think about it. When does your dog normally eat? How long can they go, you know, without water or access to water or going to the washroom and figure that into that longer road trip itinerary. Also consider where you're going. So is it dog friendly and how do the jurisdictions change? So like I mentioned in Ontario, there's certain things about restraining your dog or having them in your lap. But if you're going to cross the border, how does the jurisdiction respond to dogs and cars where you're going? So maybe they don't allow dogs in the front seat. Maybe they require them to be restrained. Maybe things are just different. And then the same follows suit with wherever you're visiting. So especially in the summertime, if you're going to a touristy destination, can you bring your dog with you as you explore, whether it's you know downtown shops or maybe you're going to a winery or you want to go out for dinner? Are you going to be able to bring your dog or can you leave them at a dog-friendly place like a hotel room? And the reason I bring this up is because sometimes we get to a location and we realize that they're not as dog-friendly as we would have hoped. And then you're faced with the decision of either canceling your plans or leaving your dog in your car. And this is one of the most frightening things for dogs in the summertime or anywhere where it's a temperate to warm climate. Because once you leave a dog in a car, the car can act like a bit of an oven and it heats up incredibly quickly. And we've always heard these horror stories of children and and pets being left in cars. And the thing is, is the temperatures within a vehicle, the interior temperatures, they can actually get up to 90 degrees Celsius on a hot summer day. And that can vary depending on a few different factors, but that's a very, very hot temperature. And dogs can really only withstand an internal temperature of 40 degrees Celsius for only a few minutes before brain damage or even death happens. And so you really don't have, you know, really five minutes to run into a store and leave your dog in the car. Even if the windows are cracked, it can still create a bit of an oven in there. And the dog can't pant and cool down as they normally would because all that hot air prevents them from cooling down. And so that's where with those road trips, you really need to consider, are they going to be dog friendly? Can I bring my dog with me or will they have a safe, cool place to be? Because you do not, under any circumstances, want to leave your dog in the car. And even depending on where you are, it's illegal depending on the Animal Welfare Acts of the jurisdiction. So here in Ontario, uh, where you and I are both located, this is an issue. I know in the U.S., a lot of states have made it illegal to leave your dog in the car, and other countries are following suit. And even if you do leave your dog in the car, just one more point about this, and it's with the best of intentions and you leave the car running and the air is on and you think your dog is going to be really happy, you may still end up with either concerned citizens or police uh, inspecting your car and even breaking your windows to try and save the dog. Because people are really concerned and passionate about it and they really want the dog to be alive and healthy. And so they may take drastic measures, even though you've done everything possible, other people may not realize and try to save the dog, even if you've made a safe environment. So the best case scenario is always to bring them with you and check ahead to make sure that's possible. When we talk about road trips, I think, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of people just get their, their dog and go on a long road trip. And 
you have to think about the experiences. When are you taking your dog in a vehicle? Are you only taking your dog when you go to the vet? Are you only taking your dog for certain experiences? So I think it's giving them a mix of experiences so that they have positive, great, fun experiences and so that they associate the vehicle that way. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that's important in, in advance of a road trip is making sure that you you get in some of those experiences and, and do some probably some short trips. Yeah, definitely. The last thing you want to do is throw a 10-hour road trip curveball at a dog who only associates it with the terror of going to the vet. Um, because then you have a, a dog that's stressed out for 10 hours waiting to end up at the vet. And when you end up at your final destination, they may realize it wasn't so bad, but uh, that's a lot of stress to put under your dog under for such an extended period of time. There are products on the market if you do have an overly anxious dog that will help calm them. So a variety of different sprays. I know there's some out there that are more herbal based that uh, can promote calmness in dogs. We've gotten one from our vet in the past that's meant to mimic um, pheromones of a dog and calm them down in that way. So there are options to keep them calm, cool, and collected. I, I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing some of your tips and information. And um, I'm, I'm sure that we'll be able to help some people out when they think about, you know, packing for their summer road trip this year. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of New Dog Now What? If you know someone with a new dog in their life, please be sure to share this episode with them and follow along on Instagram at New Dog Life CA. Thanks for joining.